Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, a podcast dedicated to self-development, self-improvement, and helping you achieve the goals that you've laid forth in your life. I'm your podcast host, Brandon Davis, and in today's episode, we have a special guest speaker joining us, Steve Gardner. Steve is a Harvard grad and the founder of the Ivy League Challenge. He specializes in helping teens stand out so they can get admitted to their dream Ivy League and top-tier colleges without sacrificing sleep, fun, and friends along the way. In my opinion, the best part of all of it is that he doesn't teach people how to hack the system. Instead, he uses the natural interest that teens have for college admissions to inspire those teens to become better humans, which, it turns out, is the best way to stand out among applicant pools. Steve is going to help us understand how to be memorable and get us all started on the path to success. He believes in being a hero rather than a victim and that all of us can make a difference and an impact in the world starting today. Steve, welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. Thank you so much, Brandon. It's a privilege to be here. I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully there's something I can share that can resonate with some of your listeners and, and this can be a, a great opportunity for all of us. I, but I really appreciate the invitation and appreciate being able to be here. Of course. Um, I'm a personal believer that we can learn from any situation and from anyone. So I guarantee people will be able to take something away from today. And um, I guess with that all being said, let's jump into today's episode. So Steve, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background um, with going to Harvard? What made you choose going to Harvard? What it was like? Yeah, no, I, you know what? I love Harvard. I really, really loved it. Um, that campus is beautiful. It's, you know, the oldest university in the United States. Um, some of those buildings are 400 years old and it's, it's just amazing to walk on that campus and, and to spend time with you know, there there are there are times, for example, when when I was in an economics class and we were discussing the author's intent around a, a theory, and and someone just mentioned, you know what, let's go ask the author because the person who wrote this theory is down the hallway, um, and it was true. Like here's this Nobel Prize winner, um, a, a laureate, and 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 we could literally go and ask what the origin or what the intention of the theory was. That sort of thing is, is pretty amazing. Um, but, but really, I think that, um, I don't know, I, I encourage everyone who has ambitions to attend. If it's Harvard, that's fine. But whatever university kind of pushes you to be bigger than, than you otherwise would be, I really, really encourage teens and, and young adults to pursue that, that ambitious, passionate, uh, goal. And, and that's because I changed as a human being on that campus. I, I feel like, um, you know, my awareness of the social issues and my role in society expanded because of Harvard. I, Harvard takes their role in, in society very seriously. And we spent a lot of time talking about ethics and talking about, you know, the best ways to benefit society through the privileges and the resources that, that we had gained at that campus. And, and I just feel like, you know, some people 
want to talk about how, well, anyone can succeed at any university. And, and I believe that too. There's no question that it's not the university you go to that dictates your success. It's, it's what you do with the resources that are always around you. But at the same time, if you do have ambitions to attend one of these top tier schools, the resources once you get there and the support systems and the network that you can you can work in, I mean, they're they're amazing and they're life changing. And so it, it's a it's a worthy goal to pursue. And the best part is kind of like what you alluded to when you introduced me, the, the, the process of becoming the kind of person that one of these universities would be interested in is probably the most valuable thing of all. So if you just if you have that goal to get into Harvard or, or Princeton or whatever your dream school is, and then even at the very end, you decide, let's say you even are admitted and you decide, yeah, never mind, it's not that big of a deal anymore. The, the real value of, of this whole process has probably already been achieved because you have leveraged your interest in attending one of these elite universities to become the kind of person that one of those universities would want. And when you're that kind of person, you're going to be much more likely to be fulfilled, to be happy, to be successful in life. So I think it's a worthy goal, and I, I encourage anyone who has thoughts around that to, to pursue it. Absolutely, Steve. Um, I didn't mention this before, guys. Steve actually runs a podcast where he talks about all these different issues on how you can get inside of one of your top universities that you're chasing after, that your dreams have always led you to. But Steve, do you think a lot of these concepts and principles that we'll talk about today, can they be applied to more than just somebody who is trying to get into a great college? Well, sure. You think about anything that's really competitive, which is a lot of life, right? So um, if, if what you're trying to accomplish requires that you develop yourself in, in certain ways, then yeah, then the process of developing yourself to become a, a, a competitive applicant to one of these universities is the same process that's going to make you competitive for a certain job opening or is going to make you competitive when you start your own business. Anyway, that entire process of being more self-aware more aware of your audience, more aware of the needs of the people that you're serving, and then developing the skills so that you can have more engaging contact, or you can be more targeted in the things that they're hoping to hear from you. That entire skill process is, is this, this ability to be courageous, to go and do something you don't know yet, to be curious, to go and explore and ask the right questions to figure out how the people who are doing it well, how are they doing it? And then to take risks and to try it and to fail and be self-reflective and figure out why you failed and go try again and, and reiterate and pivot. All of those skills require a high level of emotional intelligence. They require a certain level of self-efficacy, a certain level of confidence. And so, yeah, whether you are trying to, to become competitive for a top tier university or you're trying to start your own podcast or your own business, yeah, the, the skill development process, this, this whole journey of, of choosing what you want and trying to figure out how to get there is, is a valuable journey to, to experience. It's something we should be doing in multiple ways throughout our lives, I think. I personally agree with you, Steve. I mean... What you're just saying there, where it truly is a journey, that word journey is a great thing to think about 
when you're starting something off. It's not a one and done deal. It's something you have to strive for. Journeys aren't something that are made easy. It's something that each and every day we wake up and we have to work for it. It's not going to come easy to us. We have to put in our own effort. So where do you think, Steve, that the majority of people need to start on their journeys towards success? Yeah, great question. That first step is is usually one of the hardest, um, and it's it's the most critical, right? Because without that first step, you, you never have the second, and you never have any any consequent or subsequent steps. Um, and and for me, what I teach my students is it has to begin with with some kind of desire, some kind of 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 purpose, where you feel like I would I would benefit or I would enjoy life more if if this happened or if I could do this or that. And so there has to be some desire. And then once there is that desire, for me, the the key to really having the staying power to see yourself through all of the real challenges that will probably face you. If if you're if your objective, if your desire is to do anything that that is somewhat competitive or somewhat uh, developed in the world, you're going to have to you're going to have to face challenges and, and overcome those challenges on the way. And where other people face those challenges and quit, and that's why they don't achieve that kind of life and they don't experience what you're going to experience. You have to have some kind of fortitude to keep going through those challenges. And I find that the best way to develop that fortitude and just have that kind of reserve, that store of of potential energy or that store of, of grit, uh, the best way to, to do that is to connect your goals to your core values. And that's, ah, you know, that's harder than it sounds. It sounds like it's pretty simple. Uh, just what do I value and, and what are my core values? What are the most important of the things that I value? Well, it, unfortunately, for most people, it's not that easy. If you've been through a school system then you've been told for many, many years what to value. And, and it's very difficult in, in any kind of a school environment where lots of students are working with a few teachers. It's difficult for the teacher to create a system where the student says, this is what I think is valuable, and this is how I think we should be approaching this unit. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not really how school is set up, uh, what, what school is set up to do. And so over time, you, you get used to being told what to value. You, you get a rubric from the teacher that says, this is how you're going to demonstrate mastery in the skills that I want you to demonstrate in this unit. And, and then you, you try to reverse engineer that and, and demonstrate, those, demonstrate mastery in those areas. Well, that's very, very different from opening up to your core and becoming reflective and pensive and self-aware and, and identifying the, the drivers of your life, the emotional core drivers. But some, some keys to kind of help you understand what your core values are is if you have something in society that really, you know, upsets you, right? Um, if, if something makes you angry, then that thing, that thing in society probably violates one of your core values. If something breaks your heart, on the other hand, you might not be someone who gets angry as a result of, of a violation of your core value, but, but maybe it makes you just really sad. It breaks your heart that this thing is happening and it's just not right. That's a good, key, a good clue that, that you've identified a violation of your core values. 
Uh, of course, there's the things that really bring you to life and give you joy. That might also be a clue. But what I find is, is very helpful is for people to try to project to the end of your life and to think back. And what do you hope people say in your eulogy? What do you hope people say at your funeral? What do you hope that your life was about when all has been said and done? Those are going to be combined with the what makes you angry, what, what breaks your heart, what brings you joy. Combined with all of that, you can kind of look at a list of, of values. Maybe there's, there's lists on the internet with hundreds of values, two or 300 values. Look at them and circle you know, the top five and then just keep discussing it until you figure out your, your one, two, three, maybe, maybe top three or top five values. Once you understand your core values, then you attach your goals, your, your ambitions, attach them to those core values. Say, I, if, if your core value is social justice or if your core value is kindness, um, then, then you can say, I want to attend Stanford University because I want to use my interests in this area. Maybe I, I love app development or something else. I want to use my interest in app development to improve social justice, to, to improve social equity in society, because I realize that that's a core value of mine. And if indeed that is one of your core values and your true interest, you're, you're truly interested in app development, then becoming outstanding in app development so that you can change the world, so that you can make society more socially just, or so that you can create greater equity in society, if that's your core value and that's your genuine interest, then pursuing that to an elite level is going to be possible. You'll have the stamina when, when things get kind of boring um, and they won't get as boring um, ever because you're truly seeing the end result. You're seeing the, the accomplishment of, of a greater good that's aligned with your core values. And when you do face other challenges, then you know, you'll have the fortitude and the grit to say, well, I, I recognize that this is difficult, but this is also really important to me. And so it's worth it for me to figure it out. So let me try again. Let me iterate one more time. So to me, that's the key. Uh, if you can align your goals and your ambitions with your true core values, then that gives you the strength and the endurance that you need to become great. Yeah. I think in a concept like that, where you're connecting your core values to your goals, your ambitions, your dreams that you have in life, it makes it a lot easier. You're not just chasing after something just to simply chase after it to check something off of the box, but you're chasing it because you know it can make you a better person. You're chasing it because it, you know it's going to make you happy in your life. And so I love how you also mentioned that you need the stamina, you need the endurance to keep going. And despite how much somebody loves a certain area, say it's whether, like you're saying, they love social justice and so they're pursuing that or whether it's their fitness goals or wh whatever areas in their life that they're pursuing after, do you have any tips or strategies, Steve, on how they can keep growing that stamina so when it, the going gets tough, they can keep pushing forward? Yeah, well, you know, there are a lot of different things that, that you can do to develop stamina. Um, and, and there are some, some things that work better for most people. People are different though, ultimately. And so some, some strategies or tactics that work for one person are going to be counterproductive for another. 
but yeah, but but some of the things that work for most people uh, is to adjust your expectations rather than rather than um, shooting for the stars and thinking big. A lot of people feel like if I'm going to be successful, I need to do it all. I need to do it big, and I need to do it now. And and the truth is, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You certainly can't do everything well, right? And so. Um, to adjust your expectations, instead of saying I'm going to um, I'm going to just uh, climb to the top of that mountain, climbing to the top of the mountain is great, and eventually you are going to get there. But instead of putting your sights there and then giving up halfway through because you didn't realize that the top of the mountain was so so high up there, instead just say, well, that ridge over there, that ridge, I'm told based on now that I've asked questions, I've asked experts, I've asked people who have hiked that mountain before, I have done a little bit of the preliminary work before I just started walking up the mountain. I got the right kind of shoes, I, I broke them in, etc. And now I know that that ridge up there takes about seven hours and, um, and I'm ready to do that ridge. And when you get to that ridge, you feel the momentum of having accomplished this first goal that was reasonable. And it wasn't something that you jumped to try to catch the stars, um, and then and then you just you just couldn't get anywhere, right? Uh, instead, a lot of a lot of a lot of growth in nature. Let, let me let me kind of uh, veer off for just a second, and we'll come back. A lot of growth in nature is very incremental. It's one step at a time. Right, and so the tree grows an extra ring every year, and it just gets a little bit thicker, a little bit taller. The roots go a little bit deeper, and it just grows incrementally year upon year. But it continues to grow. And when there are obstacles, the the tree might bend to get around an obstacle. It might start growing in a new direction, but it's going to continue these smaller, less extreme pivots. And as a result, it survives and it thrives and it grows. A lot of humans want to make change in a revolutionary fashion. Starting today, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do it big. I'm going to do it now. And I'm, I'm going to drop everything else that I used to do. And it's like this revolution, internal revolution. Well, unfortunately, that generally doesn't work. And so I would argue that we take a lesson from nature. And instead of being revolutionary in our efforts to grow. We choose to be evolutionary. We evolve a little bit today. We do a little bit on the things that we decided that we were going to do. So one of the best ways to do that, like I said, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And one of the best ways to, to grow incrementally is to decide to make a commitment with the thing that you're going to do. And if, if your end result is to start your own business, then maybe your thing that you're going to do every single day now is you're going to prepare your podcast. Maybe your podcast is a part of the business. For me, certainly it is. So for me, when I first began, every single day, I would spend time working on the content of the podcast, knowing that eventually, once podcasting became easier for me, I could step out into other areas of my of my business and and encourage and help other people in new ways. Well, find that thing that's every day I'm going to do one thing. And if if for example it's it's health or fitness, 
maybe every day I'm going to do one push-up. And, and you might think that's silly. What value could one push-up possibly have? Well, the truth is, if you're sick, one push-up is probably more than you should do, but you can keep that commitment to yourself. When you're feeling great, you get down and do your one push-up, and you're going to feel silly just staying there for one push-up. So you're going to do five, and you're still feeling silly because yesterday you did 50, and so you do 50 again because you're already down there, and you go for it. On the other hand, if you commit to do 50 every single day, then that day that you're not feeling it, the day that you're feeling sick, you're probably not going to do even one. And pretty soon, once you've missed one day, then eh, you'll miss another day. And, and pretty soon you're back to where you started. So I, I would say to align your, your objectives with your core values. And once you've done that, identify you know, activities that you can commit to on a, on a consistent basis, whatever that consistency is, commit to those activities and honor your commitment to yourself. And, and it's really valuable to make that commitment something that is honorable, that, that's something that you can honor even on your bad days. Because the truth is once you've started, there's a lot of, of high performance and, and neuroscience around the idea that, that getting started is the hardest part. So if you commit to just do one push-up, then you've gotten started with your push-ups. You're almost always going to continue with your entire workout. But if you commit to do the entire workout, you're not necessarily going to do that first push-up. And so just be more strategic around, around how you approach your success. You know, Steve, a lot of the things you've been mentioning right now kind of reminds me of the concept of living for the now. You're setting your goals and your aspirations for the future, but you're also taking the concept of living for the now so you can achieve the goals you've set forth already. What are your thoughts on living for the now and how can we improve it in our society? So presence, being, being present in this moment and, and understanding this moment is all we have, that's a, that's a valuable insight for people who have not yet understood that. And most of us don't understand it right? Because we do, we spend a lot of our waking hours stuck in the past, thinking about things that have already occurred and, and just kind of maybe living in regret or, or whatever the emotion may be. Or we find ourselves worrying about the future, which of course uh, is, not, is not happening either. The future might happen the way you think it is going to, but it, it might happen differently. Um, and really all that we have is the current moment that we're in right now. And so, yeah, that's that's a valuable insight to understand, to um, accept and to appreciate that the things that, my life exists in this moment and my time is my life. My life is my time. So the way that I'm spending this moment right now is, is the way that I'm living my life. Uh, yeah, that's a really important idea. Um, and I would say that as that relates to your just overall personal development and, and kind of the, the conversation that we've been having, which is if you have ambitions to do something great, it's a good idea to tie those ambitions to your core values. And then it's a good idea to be tactical and to be strategic about how you develop yourself aligned with your core values 
so that you can become this, this better version of yourself. Well, it just so happens that one of the really, really valuable tactics to align your core values with your ambitions is the concept of, of singular focus, of being present in this moment, of giving your energy and your life to your task at hand, rather than the temptation that so many people feel, which is, I can do everything and I can do it all now, which ends up being, I'm going to study while I check my text messages, while I have another conversation with someone else, while I'm walking to class, I can do everything and I can do it all now. And the truth is there's, there's not even, there's no such thing as, as multitasking, for example. There's just switching, right? We can switch attention. Attention switching, I think is what it's called. We can switch our attention rapidly between tasks, but every time we switch attention, we have to re-engage and, and, and make up new ground in the activity that we've just taken our attention away from. And it's far, far, far more productive to be focused on the task at hand until the task is finished and then shift your attention to the next task. You'll get far more done in far less time by approaching it that way. And, and that requires a certain level of presence, a certain level of groundedness, a certain level of, of centeredness and, and perspective. So yeah, absolutely. I think one of those tactical improvements that most people can make, in fact, I just did, I just did a, a podcast episode on, on how valuable this singular focus can be um, in for those, you know, you think about, we'll tie this into to students who a lot of your listeners are students and a lot of my clients are students. And this whole idea that, that if you've got studying to do, um, you, can, you can accomplish more in 30 minutes or 35 minutes of focused studying than most people accomplish in four hours or more of fake studying. What most people do is open the textbook, they have their phone out on the desk, they, they're sitting in a, in a busy location with people walking by and distracting them, and they don't really want to read and take notes and answer questions and, and do all the studying work. They just know that they're supposed to spend that time because they have a test coming up or whatever. And so there's all these forces acting against your ability to focus and, and get your studying done versus taking 30 minutes focused phone on airplane mode away from your body, unable to give you notifications in a location where you're not going to be distracted, sit down with targeted focus on exactly what you want to accomplish. And I promise you, you'll accomplish more in 30 minutes than you will in three or four hours of fake studying. And my classmates at Harvard understood this extremely well. It was very rare for me to see someone who would just kind of do that pseudo studying strategy that you see so often in high schools and in colleges around the United States. Well, take that same approach to your work and to life itself. You can get more done with 30 minutes of focused effort than you can with four or more hours of pseudo effort. And that's all about being present. Be, be present with the task at hand. I love it. Be present with the task at hand. Always stay focused on what's going on now so you can achieve it. You can actually accomplish it. And like you said, it doesn't take longer because in, in the long run, you're wasting your time if you're just acting like you're doing something. And that concept can be spread throughout studying, throughout um, working at your job, throughout your fitness goals. 
right? A lot of people I've met before say, oh, I went to the gym for two hours today. And then I ask them, okay, what kind of workouts did you do? And they sit back and they go, well, I maybe did this and this. And then you start thinking about it and you wonder, how on earth did it take you two hours at the gym? Were you actually working out or were you taking long breaks? Were you looking at your phone? Were you socializing? And in reality, it just depends on what your priorities are. If you're there to get work done, if you're there to accomplish things, then by all means, take that focused time and drive into it. But Steve, I had one more final question for you today. As you've worked in the college admissions offices, as you work with students now currently trying to achieve their dreams, what makes a student or in general, what makes somebody stand out? What makes somebody memorable? You know, what most people do if, if they want to be competitive for a top tier university, most people follow this advice. There's four kind of things that you'll hear over and over and over again. Uh, one, take the most rigorous coursework available in your high school and get great grades. Two, take and retake SAT tests until you have near perfect scores. Get tutoring if you need to, etc. Three, demonstrate leadership in as many different areas as possible. So extra, extra points if you've got varsity sports plus music plus student council plus speech and debate or whatever, right? As many ways as possible, demonstrate leadership. And number four, develop a, a standout factor or a spike or an X factor. So do something exceptionally well. Even though you're well-rounded, you still have this one thing that's kind of your thing. That's the advice that, that almost everyone gets if they want to get into a top-tier university. And the truth is, that advice is bad advice. It's, it's broken for a few reasons. Number one, the, the price you're paying, maybe it doesn't sound like it's that much, but you're giving up, you're giving up sleep. <laughs> In order to get all of that done, you have to be highly, highly focused. And, and that means you're sacrificing sleep, you're sacrificing fun and friends. And the price you pay to get all of those activities in is very, very high. You're stunting your growth, you're, you're stunting your brain development by getting too little sleep. If, if you are chronically sleep deprived, you're functioning cognitively as if you were drunk. Um, there's a lot of sleep science around how, how critical it is for, for teenagers and young adults whose brains are still developing, how critical it is for them to get enough sleep. And, and so often these people sacrifice their sleep uh, in order to, to accomplish more, to fit more into their schedule, to have more on their resume. And, and giving up fun and friends is a bad idea too, because one of the things I learned in my, in my design thinking class at Harvard was the importance of play and how valuable play is in developing your creativity and developing your problem solving skills and developing all kinds of, of areas of, of emotional and social intelligence, play is a really, really important part of that. And so sacrificing your fun and your friends is, is, is a bigger deal than you realize. Okay, so that's the first reason. The second reason why this strategy is, is just a, a broken strategy is because what's the overall message that we're sending to, to teenagers at this point? We're saying, I don't care about you. I don't care what you think is valuable. I don't care about your values you're not good enough to get in doing your thing. So instead, look at this person who did get in. They did these things and they got in, so that's good enough. So instead of being you and doing the best you can to be you, pretend that you were that person and maybe you can pretend well enough that we can trick the admissions team and they'll think that you're as good as that person is and then you can get in. 
well, that's a, that's really sad, right? That's a terrible message to send to teenagers that you're not good enough, but that person is. So pretend to be that person and maybe you can get in. Uh, even if, even if that worked, um, then, then the teenager gets in and they have this horrible imposter syndrome because they believe that they're not the one that deserves to get in. They just pretended well enough. All right. So really bad message to send. But the third reason is the kicker. The third reason is it's a bad strategy anyway. If you think about a Harvard or a Princeton or a Yale and, and the 40,000 and more applications that are coming in, President Drew Faust from Harvard University, she was the previous dean of admissions there. She famously said that Harvard could admit, uh, Harvard could fill their freshman class twice over with leftovers with just valedictorians every year. Okay, they have enough valedictorians to fill two freshman classes. So if, if that's the case at these top tier universities, how are you going to stand out when everyone else has perfect grades, top test scores, has is well-rounded, demonstrates leadership, and has some kind of X factor? That's not going to help you stand out. And in fact, admissions officers don't even pretend to try to find the most qualified students to get into their classes. Instead, they'll, they'll be honest. If you ask, they'll tell you they're looking for a a diverse class that can support each other to, to have the best experience possible on that campus. They're looking for people who are going to change the world. They're looking for, um, for a campus that can support each other in changing the world. And so what ends up happening is that these admissions officers don't even try to find the most qualified people. How could you possibly? How do you know which valedictorian is the more qualified valedictorian? right? It's an impossible task. So eventually you stop even pretending. And what ends up happening is they end up going up, going with who is more memorable. And, and that's why your question is so valuable. How do you make yourself memorable in a pool of applicants? Well, it turns out that it's a lot more enjoyable than you might expect. The, the way that you do that is you eliminate all the activities that you think you need in order to impress your college counselor or your, your admissions officer. They don't impress the admissions officer. They've seen people who worked harder than you, who they did not admit. And they've had plenty of people who didn't have as many activities who they did admit. The number of activities isn't going to be the differentiator. So eliminate all the activities that you're doing just because you think it helps you stand out. With your extra time now, go and do the inside work identify your core values, and identify your interests, and pick one that you can be curious about for a long time. And just begin to be an investigative reporter. Find out everything there is to know about this thing that you're interested in. Uh, find out how the experts do the thing that you're interested in. Find out what associations there are. Find out what majors there are in college around this. Find out what professors are doing research in this area. And as you do your investigative journalism work, you're going to find uh, things that just absolutely inspire you. Go and pursue those interests with vigor. Pursue that curiosity, that interest with genuine curiosity. And as you do that, you're going to start reaching out to these professors and your conversations with them will be somewhat intelligent because you've put in the time to understand that field. They'll be impressed that a high school student or, or a young adult is able to communicate like that. They will respond to you. Trust me, I've seen, I've, I've helped student after student after student reach out to professionals and, and professors 
and get responses and begin working on research teams or working with, with companies. And at some point you identify a problem in your community, in this area that you're interested in, you identify the issues. And, and one of those issues violates one or more of your core values. And when you find that, you begin working to solve that problem. So you continue diving deeper and deeper into your curiosity, into your interest, and you work to, to solve a problem in your community that violates one of your core values. And just watch what happens to you emotionally and in every way when you start spending more of your time in the area that you're interested in, solving a problem in your community that violates one of your core values, just watch how you light up as a human being and you wake up excited for the day, you have more confidence, you start solving problems, you start trying to solve problems that you can't yet and you fail and you, you have a network that you reach out to for help and then you figure out new ways to approach the problem and solve it and this all just feeds on this confidence loop that, that builds more competence as you're solving new problems and learning more and this, this, this positive spiral continues to, to loop back, right? The positive feedback loop of competence and confidence. And just, just watch how you light up. Your whole world lights up when you are spending your time engaged in activities that are of interest to you, that are aligned with your core values, and you know you are making a difference in your community by solving one of these problems. Your life transforms. You become incredibly interesting to everyone around you and that immediately comes across when you apply to a job or when you apply to a university. Yeah, guys, think about it. The entire way that you can stand out, the entire way that you can be memorable is simply by being yourself. Steve just described amazing ways on how students can stand out to these applicants when they're applying to these top tier universities, when they're trying to make themselves stand out between thousands and thousands of other applicants. What truly comes down to it is how they are memorable, how they represent themselves. And it's all based upon who they truly are and what they love to do. So Steve, on the Get Over Yourself podcast, I love leaving challenges with all of the listeners. I want to challenge every single listener to figure out what is one of your core values. What is something in your life that makes you stand out more than anyone? What is something you're passionate about? And how can you use that thing, that thing you're passionate about, to stand out towards others? How can people remember you based upon that principle that you love in your life? I want you all to reflect on that and see how you can personally use that to make a benefit greater in society and how you can become the better version of yourself that you know is inside of you. So Steve, before we close out today, is there any last minute advice or anything else that you would like to leave with the listeners? Well, I, I really appreciate the conversation. I think this has been really valuable for me. Uh, I'd invite anyone who knows an ambitious teen or is just interested in in kind of the ideas that we've discussed today. If if you're interested in my podcast or in my work, uh, it's the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast. I'd love to kind of see you over there as well. Um, and and I also have Instagram and uh, Facebook pages at the Ivy League Challenge. And so invite the audience, if you are interested or if you know a teen that, that really needs to be inspired or that already is ambitious but doesn't have the, the strategy in place to get into a top tier school, send them my way. I really love, love, love 
inspiring teenagers and, and working with the the future leaders of the world. I, I think it's 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 my impact project to to say it's my aligned with my core values, and um, and I, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. So if you have people who can benefit from that, please send them my way. I'd love to to work with them. Perfect. Perfect. Y'all heard Steve. Make sure to go check out his podcast. If you know anyone at all who would relate to that kind of content, feel free to send over his podcast to them as well. And if anything in today's episode stood out to you, feel free to leave a good review or send this to somebody you know that can personally benefit from it. Guys, once again, thank you for listening. Steve, thank you for joining us. And with all that being said, just remember, it'll all be okay. Just take a step back and keep being yourself. Thank you.